Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat teaching with TBA rabbinic intern Joshua Jacobs. This is a big parsha for a lot of reasons. I mean, they're all big in their own way, but Bishalach is is the big exodus. Uh, we have finally um, Pharaoh uh sends us off and and we make a break for it and then we're chased after again and then we have the climactic moment by Yamsuf by the the sea of reeds and we're between a rock and a hard place where we have the egyptians pursuing us behind and a big body of water in front and if anybody ever tells you that you can't find serious humor in the torah they're wrong because one of my favorite moments, Moses looks up to God. I mean, what, what do we do? And God replies, why, why are you crying out to me? Go. <laughs> um, which I just think is a wonderful relationship. And I also think says a lot, speaks volumes about faith. So if you were able to um, print out or access the source sheet beforehand, great. Otherwise, I'll, I'll read aloud um, so nobody's uh, missing it. But I called it Keeping the Faith because it's a great movie. But also, I think faith is a really complex and interesting topic. And I think Beshalach has a lot to say about it. So I'm looking forward to presenting some of, some of the commentaries on these verses and then obviously hearing what you all think about it um, and your own take on, on faith. Um, before I do, I, there are a couple of people I haven't said hi to yet. Marlon, good to see you. And... I think I said hi to everybody else. Brant. Hi, Brant. <laughs> All right. That covered. Um, right. So that's how we begin, right? Exodus fourteen fifteen. Then the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry out to me? Tell the Israelites to go forward. And Rashi's comment on this, Rashi says, there is nothing for them to do but to journey on. For the sea will not stand in their way. Their ancestors' merits and their own And the faith that they placed in me, being God, so that they left Egypt will suffice to divide the sea for them. So the first question, I mean, the obvious midrash about Nachshon, but I wanted to bring something a little bit different. So the the Rashi here spoke to me. Does anybody have any reactions to what he's saying? Particularly, has anybody ever encountered something in their lives where they actually felt like the faith they had was enough to get them through it or, or that the, the, that faith somehow miraculously split the sea burst through the brick wall in front of them. I'd love to hear if anybody has any experiences with that. Gary, do you have something? Nope. He's gone. (laughs) And also any counter opinions that, you know what? Faith is an important thing, but it's also important to be level-headed and rational and not believe that you can defy the laws of nature or, gravity or anything like that well um, two weeks before i got married um, there was sorry there was an article in the in the um times the new york times listing all of the um worries that husbands were having before they got married and i must say that was very reassuring (laughs) marlon and i've been married 54 years so it's a long time ago but but that was that was an important act of faith, I must say, that I got through reading the fact that other people were worried. 
Mm. That's beautiful, right? So um, it's also the perfect example of, you know, leap of faith. You hear that a lot with uh, couples getting married and deciding at some point, you have enough information, but you're, you're going to brace the unknown together. And that's all that matters. So I think this is certainly a leap of faith, jumping into the sea uh, and hoping that you get on dry land together and through to the promised land of, of a successful and happy marriage. <laughs> that's great. When you look back at the crossing of the Red Sea, it seems miraculous to us. If you're looking back at it as a historical event, I don't know if it seems so miraculous when you're living through it. I'm just telling you this, even though because the retelling of a story is different than living through a story. When I was in Wexner with your dad, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we had a lot of discussions about miracles. I can't forget the rabbi that 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 was that was speaking to us, but he said something along the lines of, you know, if you looked at Jews, like in the 1940s after World War II in the United States, it was a small insular group. Nobody could have predicted where Jews would be at the time that your dad and I were in the same Wexner class. And he said, if you were living through it, you wouldn't see it as a miracle. He said, but if you look back at it now, no one could have predicted in 1946, 47, where Jews would be in the United States in 2007. And he said, the rabbi said, to me, that's a miracle. Every bit as much as like the, the parting of the Red Sea. And it, it, that's an example of just moving forward. You understand? You just move forward day to day. And over a long period of time, it is miraculous, but it doesn't look necessarily like that when you're living through it day to day. That's what the rabbi told me and your dad at that class. <laughs> well, I think that's really interesting, right? You seem to be bringing in the, the, the important point of perspective, right? That um, when you're living through something, sometimes it's just sort of the, the natural progression of things or, I mean, certainly incrementally, right? It's the whole thing about a frog and a beaker of water that if you incrementally turn up the heat, it won't, it won't know any different as opposed to if it jumped into boiling water. But, but I think what you're saying is a little bit different too. And also you seem to be bringing up the idea of everyday miracles, right? If you only think about miracles as being a supernatural splitting of the Red Sea, you miss out on all of the everyday common miracles, uh, which, you know, our tradition um, impresses on us to appreciate. Um, So yeah, I think those are great points. Um, Hi, Brett. Thanks for joining us. Good to see you. Um, I'll move on here because the next comment is where, for me, the whole conversation shifts. It's from Sforno. uh, And he says, Moses' outcry had nothing to do with being afraid of the pursuing Egyptians. Moses' outcry was one of concern with the people's rebellious attitude, to the point where he was afraid that they would refuse to enter the sea when told. God told Moses that he had no right to assume such a thing that in fact, he was suspecting innocent people of lack of faith. So what's so interesting to me about about this comment is that you might think we're just talking about faith directionally between people and God, but here it now goes more communally. What about our faith in people? Uh, And and God actually chastising Moses here uh, lightly, but but saying, you don't think that the the people are going to rise to the occasion? And, and challenging Moses's leadership here, um, <clears throat> which I think is, is really a wonderful move um, 
for many reasons. But if you look at the course of Beshalach, you get a, a ton of the people letting Moses down, right? The people rebel uh, um, many times in the course of the desert wanderings, and we get a whole handful of them in this parsha alone. So if you're Moses, I mean, you, you have every reason to, to lack faith in the people that they're going to not just want to return to Egypt or that they would jump in the sea uh, and, and move forward. But here God is saying, how dare you lose faith in, in the people? So um, I wanted to bring that to the group, first of all, because I, I think it complicates the idea of faith, not just between us and God, but us and each other. And we've all lived through times, uh, you know, globally, nationally, personally, where faith in humanity has been challenged, shaken, difficult. Um, so I guess I don't have a, I don't have a question specifically for this, except for if, if maybe you want to share any, any reaction, but also a time where maybe your faith in humanity was tried, tested, and maybe, um, uh, validated in a, in a reassuring way. Nobody. We're all a bunch of cynical pessimists. Oh, Marlon, great. <laughs> we just went through it. It was as bad as it could be. And yet we managed to. People stepped forward and did what they needed to do to save people. And it ended. And the inauguration came off. Mm. I don't know if we're finished, but at least that day is gone. Mm. But we couldn't, while we were living through it, we couldn't know it was going to end. Anybody would do the right thing. That's beautiful. Oh, did I cut you off? Go ahead. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I absolutely. Right. Um, you can look at it, you know, as you look through history, there are throughout history, dark times, light times, and you wonder, you know, how do we oscillate and how does the pendulum swing? But ultimately, uh, it's certainly worth have, remaining that. Uh, holding on to that, upholding faith in humanity that they'll do the right thing in the end. Great. Yeah, Marshall. Well, if I if I could just um, read the fuller translation. Yeah, yeah, please. The book, Achut HaMishulash. Um, and you have sort of a ellipsis there, which I think is, what's in the ellipsis is sort of interesting. Please. So I'm going to start there where it says, Moses' outcry was one of concern with the rebellious attitude of the people who not only were afraid, something that could be forgiven, but who had dared to be sarcastic in their hour of danger, ridiculing Moses' leadership to the point where he was afraid that they would refuse to enter the sea when told to. God told Moses he had no right to assume such a thing, that in fact he was suspecting innocent people of lack of faith. So it wasn't it wasn't just a surface thing of, he said, well, the reason they're not jumping in because they have lack of faith. Mm-hmm. Moses really concerned that they were, he thought they were ridiculing him. Mm-hmm. And therefore they would turn the whole tide and they would prevent entering the sea in totality. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you also for giving me an example of how my faith in humanity is vindicated because I could have sworn without a doubt that, that Marshall would pull out the Sforno and fill in the ellipses. So uh, thanks for, for validating my faith in that. But yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, it, this isn't coming out of nowhere. This is Moses has every reason to believe this, but I, I think that's what makes it all the more nuanced and complicated that we can all point to a million examples where we, our faith in humanity is shaken. And that's probably this week alone, you know? Um, and yet God saying, Hey, 
no, <laughs> you, you, as the leader of this people, you cannot lose your faith in them, which makes me think God hasn't, which is also nice. Um, so moving on, this is uh, Shemot this, uh, 1711. Um, at this point, uh, we are at war with Amalek, right? And we're about to get to that interesting incidence where Moses, as long as Moses raises his hands, the children of Israel um, prevail against Amalek in the war. And whenever he lets down his hands, Amalek prevails. Um, so the verse goes, then whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed, right? And Amalek being this perennial uh, villain of the Israelites here, literally, right? The, the, the tribe, the group that attacked us um, as we, midrashically, right? As we were parting, as we were crossing the sea. Um, but here, literally, uh, in, in this war. So Rashbam comments, uh, it is a psychological axiom that when the warriors see their flag being held aloft, they are inspired with additional courage. When they cannot see their flag being held aloft, they interpret this negatively and are liable to flee from the battlefield. Right. So, I mean, it, there's an interesting thing going on here with the hand raise. It, 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 there's, it's, it seems miraculous. It seems odd. It seems a bit strange. So I think what Rashbaum's doing here is, is sort of actually taking a scientific approach to this and, and saying, oh, it's, it's motivation. Psychologically, when you see your leader up there, metaphorically or literally waving your flag, it emboldens you and, and you, you know, it's like a good pep talk from your coach at halftime or however you want to look at it. But it seems like that's how he's understanding it, um, which also ties into faith, right? What the impact that your faith has to actually influence the outcome, right? If we sort of wring our hands and, and say it's over, maybe that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. But if you, if you, even though it's difficult, if you can maintain uh, that, that faith, it actually could influence the outcome. Um, any comments, reactions to that? Guadalcanal. Yeah. Mount Suribachi, the raising of the American flag. That's what it makes me think of, actually. Great. Right? Absolutely. Uh, another great historical war example and a literal raising of the flag that goes down in history, that famous photo, um, which speaks volumes, right? That picture is certainly worth, worth a thousand words, but one of them might be this faith. And also uh, it's sort of to tie in, I think with what Marlon was saying too, this, the idea of the flag too, and all the faith you pour into your country and, and what it can be. There's a lot of idealism, I think, in that moment. Great, so uh, let's move on. Um, this is the last comment I wanted to bring, and then I'll open it up for more uh, discussion. This is from Chizkuni, and he's commenting on this incident as well with Moses struggling to keep his hands raised. And Moses' hands became heavy. This is what he's commenting on. It was tiresome for Moses to have to, spend, to stand all day, all day long. Aharon and Hur provided a stone for Moses to sit on, and they supported his arms from either side so that he could keep holding his staff aloft. All of this was necessary in order that the people would not become demoralized. Right? We sort of talked about that. The expression emunah, which means faith, but I'll, I'll return to that in a second, describes anything that does not weaken or decrease in size when remaining in the same position for a long time, such as from morning to evening. 
Eventually, both of his hands had become too heavy for him to keep aloft without someone supporting them. In the Midrash, we find the following interpretation. Moses called on the combined merits of all three forefathers to reinforce his prayer. So it's a long comment. There's, there's a lot there. But particularly, Chizkuni is picking up on the word emunah, which you can see in the biblical verse. Right? Uh, let me scan for it. But at the very end, umizechad, okay, vayhi yadav emunah ad boa shemesh. So it's, it's actually referring to Moses' hands being emunah, being, being this like firm, un, un, undecreasing, undiminishing stance, which I think is a beautiful way to look at faith, right? To visualize it as this firm firmness and in, in stance. But it's also realistic, right? This isn't just Moses having no trouble raising his hands and Israel prevailing. There are times that weaken him. There are times where his hands threaten to fall, and he needs Aaron and Hur and the rock he sits on to support him. So I, I wanted to pose that and, and see people's reactions. Is that a helpful image for faith and what it means to you? And what does it mean um, to, to need support in your faith? Uh, I think it sort of ends on a beautiful note there that we all need other people. We need other sources of support to keep our hands up when they threaten to fall. And I also think the rock image is interesting because Chizkuni and then earlier, another, I think it's Rashi at the very beginning, both invoke the merit of the forefathers and foremothers. So here too, it's saying right in the beginning, Rashi says, it's not, it's, it's the sea will part because of your own faithfulness in, in leaving Egypt, but also because of the merit of your forefathers, right? God and, and foremothers, God will remember how much God loved our ancestors and, and will benefit from that schut, from that merit. And then here again, Chizkuni is also saying um, Moses invoked uh, uh, our ancestors for support in this moment uh, when, he, when he needed faith. So there's a lot to comment on there. And yes, uh, Mara, please. So um, what, what, what it makes me think of is... Um, you know, clearly the interdependence of, of one another and, you know, clearly within Judaism and the sense of community and the, the need for support and interdependence. Um, so that's what that speaks to to me. And it, it makes me think of um, one of the lines from um, Biden's inaugural speech where he said, sometimes, sometimes we, we lend a hand and sometimes we, we need a hand. Um, and so to me, that's what this is also saying, literally and figuratively in terms of the hand. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. And, and you, you sort of first mentioned community and then also in referencing the inauguration as sort of the larger community nationally. But right, like within our own Betham community, I mean, how many I mean, in my own head, I can think of uh, many, many examples of times where I've leaned on this community to, to help me through this pandemic and otherwise uh, other issues. And, and how many times uh, I can only hope if in, in any measure at all, I've, I've been able to lend a hand, like you're saying, uh, and help facilitate that community as well. And then nationally, nationally, and that, that his line in the inaugura inauguration speech too, absolutely. Right. Um, to, to understand our role in both ways that we're there to, to give a hand and also 
there's no shame in, in asking for help. Any more thoughts? Say, isn't it nice that Judaism's not based on the single person of faith? Mm. You know, in other words, man is not an island. You can say this in a lot of ways, but essentially we don't have a lonely person of faith sort of like tradition, which mm. which is interesting politically because there have been presidents that thought only them can save us, only we right. can save us kind of thing. It's not a concept that's really prevalent in Judaism that one person can do everything. So even Moses himself has to have these people supporting him and he has to invoke his forefathers in order to keep his arms up so that the Israelis can, you know, the the people can prevail in a battle. Which is a good lesson because not not one there's no one of us can, that can do everything. It's just impossible. And it's arrogant to think you're that one. So, you know, Absolutely. Even Moses, right? Who we, we put on this rock or this pedestal, right? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think that's a very important reminder. And Brent to that, amen, amen, amen from Emunah, right? (laughs) Oh, wow. There you go. That's right. Um, And just because Rabbi Dorf uh, uh, spoke up, I also want to say that in in his class, one of the things he teaches, this is on, on liturgy, he says, Notice how every prayer is 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 not singular; it's it's plural. When you pray, you pray for and and with community, uh, and that's enshrined in our in our liturgy as well. Um, so yeah, I'll, with that, amen, amen, amen. Um, I hope everybody uh, can take some some inspiration from about faith as we endure these difficult times and lend a hand and give a hand and have no shame in relying on each other to get through uh, what we're going through. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am, Los Angeles, go to TBA. LA.org.